to the Cutaways Podcast. I'm Justine. And I'm Ashley. <laughs> welcome, welcome, one and all. Welcome to our podcast. Welcome to the Emerald City. <laughs> We're a musical. It's wicked. Come on. Get oh, it. okay. Uh, it's technically one short day in the Emerald City. I'm with it. I hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Hopefully you didn't get kicked out of your houses. You can come stay at our house. Yeah. I didn't get I didn't get kicked out of my no, house. No. No. We just I just didn't go home. <laughs> Not because I'm afraid. I take y'all. <laughs> I'm afraid now. No, you're not. Don't be afraid of me. You're so, on my team. <laughs> yes. Don't fear me. <laughs> love me. They're the same thing. Fear and love? No, it's just it's a joke. Gotcha. It's a it's a, it's a, it's a it's, it's, a, a, it's a joke. Bad joke, Justine. Bad, bad joke. So welcome, listeners, if you're still here. Welcome to our podcast. <laughs> We're watching romantic comedies in chronological order. We have gone through the ages in history. We've reached the 90s, but we start way, way, way back in 1918, back at the birth of cinema, just a... Uh, learning all about this genre and you know people sometimes ask me they're like do you like make fun of movies on your podcast and i'm like no we are serious we are serious critics sometimes we make fun of sometimes, them yeah <laughs> but and it comes with being serious critics. oh yeah no it's like we don't mock them until there's something mock worthy yeah like jerry Maguire. <laughs> Would not have been Jerry Maguire without the what were you trying to say, Cameron Crowe, throughout we, the majority we of invent it. our own memes. <laughs> memes yeah. happen. Yeah, so that's, that is our show, and, and welcome to it. Welcome. Well, today we're watching 1997's Gross Point Blank. Yay! I always get the hard ones to say. It's not that hard. It just has all these extra E's. It has lots of E's. Just, just ignore I'm surprised the there's no E at the end of blank. Blanky. <laughs> well, no, that would be the Canadian way of spelling blank, right? Blanquois. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Canada, that I angered you over the weekend. <laughs> Canada, please forgive Ashley. Oh, my God. <laughs> she's, she's sweet. <laughs> sorry, Canada. I'm one of you at heart. Well, on Netflix... Is this a streaming one? Are this we back is, on streaming? This just became <laughs> streaming, like, just for us. Netflix was like, here you go. And I was like, ah. We are not sponsored in any way by Netflix. But sometimes they throw us a bone. Good job. <laughs> Thanks, Netflix. I swear they're listening. <laughs> <laughs> they are. They follow us on Twitter. Mm-hmm. After all that, that good stuff that I said about the new Gilmore Girls. Yeah, they better. They better. They owe me. Well, the description on the Netflix is a freelance assassin faces a crisis of conscience as he heads home for his high school reunion and tries to sort out feelings for a former sweetheart. What? Hey! (laughs) So John Cusack's like this hitman or whatever. He's an assassin. Like, that's his job. First of all, I've never heard it called a freelance assassin. It's always just been a hitman or an assassin. I don't know. He's Aren't they all freelance? (laughs) I guess yeah are I'm, there corporations that are set up around assassins do they get benefits do they get pennies <laughs> is there a union so he's got a high school reunion so he goes to it and he you know sees his old flame and perhaps he's got a he's got a job or two to do there as well huh <laughs> there were just a lot of words there that didn't need to be there Crisis of conscience. Crisis of conscience didn't need to be there. Freelance didn't need to be there. (laughs) Tries to sort out his feelings. Seems like an awkward phrase. Well, the movie is starring John Cusack, who Justine has a PhD in. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Who we also saw in 16 Candles and Say Anything. It also stars Minnie Driver, Alan Arkin, who is also in So I Married an Axe Murderer. And who we all just love because it's Alan Arkin. Yeah, so check out those previously recorded episodes. Yes, please. Please do. The director was George Armitage. Armitage? I say it like the Chicago way. Armitage. 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 It's like a Pokemon. (laughs) 
You think everything is a Pokemon. Well, I'm sorry. It's a Pokemon world and I'm just living in it. <laughs> I'm a Poke girl <laughs> in a, a Poke world. Pocket monsters. Oh, we just like did 10 times copyright infringement there. (laughs) We covered all of our basics. All of them. We're canceled. The show's canceled. The show's gone. We're not allowed to ever record again. They lock us up. (laughs) Take away our microphones. That's so mean. What what will our Patreons do? Our patrons and our patrons. I'm just going to call them my Patreons, okay? That's fine. They understand. They know what they signed up for. (laughs) Well... This movie was edited by Brian Burden. Burdan. Burdan. I'm going for the Canadian way to say it. Uh, the first assistant editor was Blake Mannequin. <laughs> <laughs> Mannequez. I'm going to go with Mannequez. I'm so sorry. The second assistant editor was Alan Z. McCurdy. I really want to know what his middle name is if it starts with a Z. Probably Zachary. And our uncredited assistant editor was Blake Danforth. We're here to credit all the uncredited. We're here to give you credit. Editorial department. <laughs> We're giving a voice to the voiceless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the movie was rated R for strong violence, language, and some drug content. Does that mean there's a little bit of cocaine? A little bit. 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 <laughs> the movie is an hour and 47 minutes long, so it's going to be long. It's rated 3.5 stars on the Netflix. Indeed it is. I'm excited. I want some Cusack. You always want the Cusack. Yep. There's no denying that. Nope. Joan or John. Oh, I bet they're both in it. Oh, I'm sure they are. Isn't that like a thing? That's got to be a contractual agreement. We're going to see some Joan. Remember Joan and Working Girl? Oh, Joan. How amazing she was. How Oscar winning. We really should just every time we see a Cusack, just take a shot. <laughs> they show up so much together. So we're going to come back completely wasted. <laughs> we'll see you then. Bye. the clash to the clash we just watched gross point blank from hollywood pictures an independent independent distribution it was okay it wasn't my favorite movie in the world no yeah and i'd only seen it once before and i remember being like underwhelmed by it when i saw it and so like just watching it now as a study being like there's not a lot of plot happening, so it feels slow. They just kind of drag it out. Yep, for sure. There's so many times where I'm just like, guys, um, you've reached the point where I want to pick up my phone, and that's not good for a movie. I think that's a, that's our level of like determining things in as editors is, does this scene work, and does it make you want to pick up your phone? Could people argue, people are going to argue, that... This was made in an era of non-phone attention spans. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, just the attention span, it got boring. It got super boring. I would have count. I would have done the same thing that I would have done back before I had a phone during my Invincible Hulk day where I counted ceiling tiles or did something else because I wasn't allowed to leave. But it felt like that. It felt like Ang Lee's Hulk movie. Uh, so, Gross Point blank two things three things maybe four things i've got things i've got things in my mind john cusack he was pretty good yeah and he's like he's like older than what we've seen him in so he's not a teenager anymore but he's like not as old as he is now he's like i feel like he's my age i'm just like yeah yeah i don't know he looked he looked young but old late 20s early 30s yeah i was like yeah (laughs) he still had like Half of his face was baby face. That's the lower half. Yes. <laughs> he still had a little bit of cheekage. Yep. When he does like that. Yeah, exactly. That face that he does with his <laughs> mouth like slightly open. Yep. The the John Cusack. Look. The John Cusack gape face. There you go. <laughs> the JC gape. The JC gape. <laughs> Give me some of that. <laughs> Music. Music done by Joe Strummer. 
of the Clash. So it was full of Clash songs and of the related type of genre. So that made me happy. No, I liked that. Yeah. I liked taking it back to the 80s. Mm-hmm. The 80s music always is, you know, a nice touch to life. Yeah. And um, what did you think of Minnie, Minnie Driver? I know nothing of her. I feel like she was in three scenes. So her character you know nothing about. Yes. What do you think of her first as... As an actress? Yeah. Well, my biggest memory of her is uh, in uh, Good Will Hunting. Oh, right. Yeah. And I absolutely love her in Good Will Hunting. That's the same year as this year. Yes. This is like her breakout year then, yes. uh, maybe. In this movie, I know nothing about her. I know... I feel like her character just was there, not really involved in much of anything. Like, she doesn't become involved really heavily until maybe 45 minutes into the movie. So, this is like Say Anything. Yes. This is exactly like Say Anything, actually. Because he even does the phone thing. (laughs) (laughs) John Cusack, you know, he's just a good phone actor. (laughs) He has a good scene with phone. You know, I'd hate to see him nowadays with like a cell phone. What's he going to do with it? He needs a flip phone. He perpetually needs a flip phone. Yeah, he needs something. If he can't have a corded phone... Oh, give him something. I mean, he does the pay phone. Yeah. Yeah. He's done the pay phone in multiple movies. Still to this day, I Still, believe. Yep. God, that guy is good with a phone. <laughs> Just give him a phone. Give him a f- I would watch a movie, John Cusack, on multiple types of phones. <laughs> that is my requirement. Where he, for where he like, goes all the way back to Alexander Graham Bell and like <laughs> does the history of phones. He's like, ahoy, ahoy. <laughs> I feel like that would be an amazing documentary. Mm, I'd watch that. <laughs> Just testing the all his- the different phones. The History of Phones with John Cusack. Yes. Sold. Get Paramount on the phone. I'll try. <laughs> I mean, they do throw money at anything. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, this movie uh, had Dan Aykroyd in it. Who well, I liked it. He, he really he took advantage of the four scenes that he was in. He was in it probably more than Mini Driver was in it. By like a scene and a half. Because like <laughs> him and John Cusack also had a relationship yes. of like trying to s- settle things. Join the union. No, join the union. No. It's like our life. This is a very weird anti-union movie. Yeah. Hank Azaria is also in this movie. For a hot minute. For a hot minute. And then he dies. He dies. Everybody dies. Pretty much. Jeremy Piven, of course, playing Jeremy Piven. Exactly the same. Exactly the same. So Gross Point Blank is about having a high school reunion and remembering someone that you used to be with in high school and possibly rekindling something with them. Do you have this feeling, Ashley? (laughs) I feel like that was the base idea. And then they just were like, and then he's an assassin. Yeah, they wanted like, to awkward it up. Yeah, let's just throw shit at a like at a dartboard and pick random things. It's like a freaking whose line is it anyway skit mm. that got turned into a movie. Well, I swear John Cusack wanted to be like, and I want to do my kickboxing. Yeah, he probably did. <laughs> I'm a kickboxer. Kick it. <laughs> kick it. I'm a kickboxing assassin. Pow, pow, motherfucker. <laughs> Ashley, you said your high school reunion is your ten year is my next? ten year is next year, year. two thousand seventeen. How do you feel about that? I do want to go back. <laughs> I don't know. It's like I would like to go and just be like, yeah, cool. Look, high school. But I have no like super fond memories of high school or like that I need to go and relive my glory days. So I'm just like, nah, I'm good. I'm glad that I have aged. There are no clicks really well i mean there are but like they're easier to deal with than they do they're not as important as they were in high school like in in high school everything feels so heightened and crazy and you're just like i'm gonna die (laughs) but like now it's just like if i'm not in that click cool beans whatever i'll go make my own yeah cool come play cards with me i'm happy I don't know if they're gonna do like a fifteen year or something. I don't know. I kind of has as as the years pass and we actually kind of grow and change. Like the five year was just like we all just graduated from college and it's like we just I just saw you. What's the point? Yeah. 
What's up, guys? The 10 year was like some people were starting to like do things. Teenagers listening to our podcast, make sure you pick a good class president your senior year. Because that's, that's apparently their job forever for life. For life. <laughs> it's a life you, commitment. <laughs> you voted them in. You're stuck life. with them. So this movie, gross point blank, I didn't take a lot of notes because you know why? No plot. Nothing was happening. Nothing happened. So I only have two pages of notes instead of the usual like two and a half to three. So maybe we'll shimmy through this. Shimmy and a shake and a shake and a shimmy. Shimmy, shimmy, shimmy. Martin. Martin's an assassin. Mm-hmm. And he's in a hotel room talking to Joan Cusack. Joan Cusack. His, 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 his assistant. His assistant. His assistant. Assistant. And they have headsets on. Yeah. Because that's John Cusack's like trademark at this point. Nobody puts phones to their ears uh, when you have a headset. I don't know. He's doing stuff with a gun. No, I know, but he was—he had one in Pretty in Pink when he was tiny. Mm-hmm. He had one around his neck. Okay, so what's he doing? He's with a gun, and he's casing, casing the joint. He's got this thing across the street or something. Cyclist coming. He's, he's preparing a, I don't know, rifle of some sort. A high-powered assault rifle. Something. He's a sniper. Sniping. He's a sniping. He's sniping it. Joan on the other end is reading him. He's got mail from his is is high school. It's a reunion letter. How okay, everyone was amazed that he existed still, mm-hmm. like in the universe. How did they get his address then if everyone thought he was dead? He probably has some sort of mail forwarding system, I would think. From like I don't know how that works because his parents' address does, isn't an address anymore, but I would think that like anything sent to his parents' address would go to some sort of P.O. box where he could like secretly pick it up. I don't know. His whole thing, and then with his mother being like crazy or something, it just, it was weird. Yeah, I don't know. Why did he leave in the first place? Yeah, because my high school doesn't have my current address, but they have my parents' address. I think every high school does. Unless your parents move. Then you're lost forever. In the void. So John Cusack does his hit, his assigned hit, but then like Dan Aykroyd pops out of nowhere as the bellboy and shoots the other guys that are there. Yeah. Which wasn't a part of John Cusack's job. He was just supposed to prevent those guys from getting shot from the cyclist. Not yeah, it was Dan just Aykroyd. A, it was just a one man show. Mm-hmm. So now is he not going to get paid? I think he's did, getting... Dan, did Dan Aykroyd just jack him out of money? I don't know. There should be somebody else more than the three guys who got shot. Yeah. Dan Aykroyd is a competing assassin. They're both assassins. Who wants to join a union? They want to be the, like in Kill Bill, the Viper Squad. Oh, I guess that technically would be a union or a guild or some sort. A squad. A squad. (laughs) Dan Aykroyd has squad goals. (laughs) He's making his own suicide squad. Yes. Dan Aykroyd, come on the show. Talk about it. Talk about it. Talk about your mother. Talk about your father. Talk about your assassin goals. Talk about Tom Hanks. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about Tom Hanks rather than the assassins. We like the Tom Hanks. Yeah. Dan Aykroyd meets up with Martin. He's like, I want to form a little club slash union. And Martin is like, nope, no, nope, nope, nope. And I don't want to go to my reunion. No to everything. No unions. No unions or reunions. (laughs) Nothing to do with these unions. Everybody, stop unioning with me. (laughs) He wants no commitment. Nope. No unions. He's lone wolf. To the T. Look at how I dress. Look at at (laughs) how I dress. Just say (laughs) union, no. Lone wolf. Lone gunman. Get the picture. I love how that's his, like, defense for him being a lone wolf is, look at how I dress. Does this look like a union man to you, sir? Sir. 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 Please walk out of here, this diner. Just get out. (laughs) (laughs) That was my impression of Joan, a little. Oh, Joan. (laughs) Why is Joan the best in everything? Because it's Joan. She doesn't get enough credit. No, definitely not. Joan. Joan, come on the show. Come on the show. (laughs) (laughs) We'll give you the credit you deserve. Mm Mm-hmm. This podcast will now be dedicated to Joan Joan Cusack. Cusack. (laughs) 
I'm adding that to our Twitter. Okay. So then, okay, after he's like, no unions or reunions, which I like. They should have used that line. We wrote it. (laughs) (laughs) We are literally writing better lines right now. Just (laughs) riffing. Five people that worked on this movie. (laughs) Sorry. And this is not us hating on the film. We're just Just being real. (laughs) (laughs) We're keeping it real, okay? Okay. Got it. We're not sunshine and lollipops here on the cutaways rom-com. Oh, I thought we were. Well, we are. Yes. Why won't it let me tweet it? No, let me tweet. What happened? Did it say not available? Okay, now, yes. Okay, okay, okay. okay. It scared me for a second. (laughs) We love you, Joan. Okay, so we're still in the beginning of the movie. This next scene... John Cusack botches this job where he's supposed to assassinate this guy by poison to make it look like he had a heart attack. So he's the guy is sleeping and he's trying to poison them in the mouth. I don't think this was at all necessary. Oh, no, no. This sets up for why he has to go to Detroit. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. So it's the, bot- it's the botch poisoning. So he shoots him. He goes back into the office with Joan and Joan's like that client is mad so instead of him taking you out or whatever we're gonna he's giving you a job to do in Detroit to make up for this botched job and then of course Joan being precious Joan being like so you can also go to your reunion reunion he's just like no but fine I'll do the job and maybe maybe oh maybe Ah, get me the therapist yep exactly uh, what do you think of the therapy sessions, Ashley? They were too short. Too short? Yeah. Well, you need more Alan Arkin in your life. I always need more Alan Arkin. Who doesn't? Yeah. We didn't even get him, like, yelling at anybody. No. He was but... more, like, bewildered Alan Arkin. Yeah. I need I need the yelling. I need the, the Alan Arkin. Alan Arkin plays the therapist. Who does is begrudgingly still treating John Cusack. He doesn't want to. He's like, no, I told you. I told you, no, we're not doing this anymore because they had four sessions and then Martin told him what he did for a living. And so Alan Arkin's like, I can't. This compromises our relationship and I should report you. And John Keyes is like, no, 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 no. I know where you live. I know where you live. <laughs> Alan Arkin's like, see, see, that's a threat. And he's like, no, I was kidding. He's like, nope, you are not. You thought it. You said it. You thought things, and I read them. And then Martin's like, fine, whatever. Just get past the work thing. Can't we just talk about how I'm feeling? And he's like, fine, how are you feeling? And he's like, oh, I'm just feeling all dissatisfied. I just feel all out of touch with life. You know, just not in a good, happy place. Not satisfied. You will never be satisfied. Mm-hmm. But satisfied. And um, Ellen Arkin's like, well, why don't you just quit your job? He's like, no, no, no. Okay, let's talk about dreams. Let's talk about dreams. I dreamt about Debbie again. And it's like, oh, this woman you've been obsessing over for 10 years. That's our main lady, Minnie Driver, who Martin left prom night, just disappeared. Disappeared out of everybody's lives prom night, including breaking the heart of his high school girlfriend, Debbie. Minnie Driver. Minnie Driver. But apparently he still has fond feelings for her and she has not moved on. No, no one moved on in 10 years. Nope. That would suck. I could kind of see it. I could see it on one hand, but to be quite honest, I don't think she should should be with him at all. Why is that? He left her and then did nothing to like ensure her that he wasn't going to do that again. He could just go and like be crazy broken again. You don't know. Clearly, he's slightly a psychopath. Slightly. Slightly. The army saw that he was slightly. Yes. They took advantage of that. Yes. He's just got a wee bit of psychopath in him. Alan Arkin says, go to your reunion, whatever, hash it out. I don't care. Get out. (laughs) Get out. Get out. Get out of here. So then we have this scene with Dan Aykroyd, and he's on this computer, and he finds out that he loses this same Detroit job that was supposed to be lined up for him. He loses it to Martin, so he's mad. Mad enough to kill. They're like... They get rid of problems by shooting them. Yeah, I know. Isn't that the American way? Oh, that reminds me of what John Cusack said about this film. Would you like to hear? Yes, please. Please share. I will share it with the class. Thank you. John Cusack saw the film as a metaphor for the Reagan-Bush years. Quote, I grew up fascinated by people in the Reagan administration, their ethics, their mercenary values, he said in an interview. People who plan wars and then 
go home to their wives and kids? How do they live? To me, Gross Point Bank was a metaphor for the people in the Bush White House. Elsewhere, he described the movie as a black comedy about the American dream. That, when at all costs, personality you see every day. A tongue-in-cheek look at the American value system. That's a thing. That's a thing. I liked what he said. I don't no, know. I like it. I think it's an interesting way of going about it. I didn't get that from the movie really at all. Right. But I like that that's what he took from away from it. Yeah. At least he brought some substance. He was really, that was his, uh, you know, his little actor secret thing, you know? His introspectiveness? Yep. Being fascinated with people who kill and yet still have family lives and are not bothered or... Maybe they are. I feel like I get the feel like that feeling from other things more than I got from this movie. Mm-hmm. I just it was too hunky dory. Yeah, it's not like he had remorse yeah. ever. He was always like, No, I'm killing people, bad people. Yeah. I'm Dexter. Yeah. He was literally Dexter. Yeah. A little a smidge of Dexter. Smidge of Dexter. Okay, and then okay, then the next scene we meet uh, Hank's Hank Azaria and his partner. Um, we don't quite know if they are assassins or government yet at this point. I thought they were the FBI, but we know that they are watching Cusack. Yeah, watching him, watching him. So yeah, this is where in Gross Point now, Michigan. If you didn't know where Gross Point is, did you know that they only shot one piece of footage? In Gross Point? Yes. Because the town of Gross Point, Michigan, refused to let them shoot anything in there because the high school scene had alcohol in it. Oh, I read also that the high school didn't want it to be shot there because they didn't want it shown that someone who graduated there could grow up to be a hitman. Yeah. (laughs) So it's all aerial footage. Michigan. Michigan. We need to talk to Michigan, guys. Get Michigan on the phone. We need, we just talk about your mother, <laughs> your father, Tom Hanks. <laughs> Debbie is a DJ at the local radio station. Martin is watching her. Is that what they're still called, DJs? Are they called radio DJs? Or yeah. are they called something different? I think they're called DJs, right? I don't know. At least in this era, they're called a DJ. Okay. Let's just go with DJ. I DJ just didn't Tanners. know. I, I, yeah, I don't know if they had like a name change in years because there are no discs to jockey any longer i'm taking a leaf out of john cusack's book and looking at everything introspectively (laughs) i support that (laughs) martin goes to his high school and reconnects with an old teacher it's never seen again never seen again i think it was just i don't know why it was something either to see the school or to get the reaction from somebody to be like you disappeared where have you been where did you go and then I think she says, you should go home, right? No, he says, I'm going home. And she says, oh, right. Yeah, you should go home. Yeah. So I guess he needed that conversation. I don't think he really did. He could have just rolled up to the to the quickie mart or yeah. whatever. <laughs> been like, what? Would have been just like that scene in um, Robin Hood Men in Tights. Robin Hood in the beginning goes to his castle and they pull the castle away. And he's yeah. like... yeah (laughs) exactly like that exactly the same scene yeah so he goes to where his house used to be but there's a convenience store there now which they would not put that in a residential district like that the districting is all wrong unless well they would have they can redistrict yes yes that's how we got into this mess justine yeah yeah (laughs) yeah yeah that's not the only thing, but man, is that a big factor. Oh, yeah. No, it's totally connected. Sorry, I did like a whole bunch of research because people were annoying me. Like, let's get rid of the entire electoral college. And I'm like, no, let's not, because that's what makes everything slightly fair. Whether or not we need to reorganize it's things. It's just those, is it Congress people? It's Congress. I think it is Congress. It's they're the doing Congresses. like those, what they're calling like bacon strips. Yes. It's not it's it's for their own benefit alone yes so that they get reelected but now it's fucked over (laughs) yeah no that's exactly what it is and then so based on that districting is how the electoral college gets selected Mm -hmm. so 
what used to be like that's what's changed because if you look at it we only had where it happened where the popular vote was won and the electoral college was won by two different people we've only had that happen five times in the entire history of the United States. Well, technically, now it's six. But four of those times happened all the way back in the 1800s and they were still trying to figure out how the states were going to handle it because it's technically states' rights Mm -hmm. on how the votes get distributed. Because some states still do each district, what the popular vote in that district elects, that vote goes to that selector. That's the reporting in thing. Yes, what happens now is that the winner take all system and that's that's what started back in the day and that caused problems because the states weren't always on the, the same ground because they're all different now they do all way all the states almost all of them do winner take all and that causes problems because then your district doesn't matter really at all anymore and also the gerrymandering there's a whole lot of factors that go into making up the electoral college and why it is kind of fucked up yeah but that whole redistricting thing is Is a big problem and a big factor yeah that it's something done for profit only Mm -hmm. well and it also fucks up the school systems it also fucks up uh, where federal money goes Mm -hmm. it also fucks up a whole other like part of it just on population uh taking because our congressional representatives and everything are based off of our districts so if your district is fucked up then you're not being represented correctly so we already have a problem with representation already (laughs) at the state level and now we're making it on the federal level which is bad we got to do this movie i know sorry that's just been on my mind justine i'm glad to hear what's on your mind because we missed a week it's important important it's important for our health and our mental health which is also a health (laughs) (laughs) that's what i was going for (laughs) martin finds out his house is gone he goes into the convenience store you know berates the 16 year old who works there and he's been there for a week (laughs) yeah calls up his therapist my house is gone my house is gone you know therapist whatever it's like okay he goes to see his mom his mom is at is in a home a, a care facility she's crazy or on lithium she's or on something lithium. she she does she she her memory is not all there she's she's not present alzheimer's dementia a thing something brain eating bacteria who knows aliens aliens okay john cusack has experience with aliens he could save him save us all isn't that what the 2012 movie was? Wasn't it Aliens? Was I don't John remember. Cusack. That was totally John Cusack. He was in the 2012 movie. I don't know anything anymore. Relinquishing my PhD. Okay, and then he goes to visit his dad. Meaning he goes to pour alcohol over his dad's grave. And litter. And litter. He littered so much. He threw that paper bag in the cemetery. And then he threw the bottle on the ground and just walked away. Yeah, those are recyclables. He totally littered. Okay, so now Martin goes to see Debbie, and they go, and he actually goes into the station to say hi. And she kisses him. And she's like, It's been 10 years. Where have you been? He's like, I'm a professional killer. Which he he keeps telling people he's a professional killer, and no one believes him. I feel like they think he's like on the stock market or something. Yeah. Because that's what her, his, uh, or her dad says. Yeah. Like, alludes to that. So she makes him go on air. She goes on air to vent. She like interviews him on air. Like, we're doing this. Where have you been? Where have you been? And she takes callers. She poses a question to the callers. Should a brokenhearted girl let him back into her life? No. And then denies him. You do not get to have this. Nope. She says it a bunch of times in this movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Can't touch this. Can't touch this. Then he reconnects with Jeremy Piven, who looks so different than what he does now. Yeah. He looks better now than he does then. He aged very well, as Sam said. Then he runs into this other guy who knows him. There's this house showing. Really, nothing happens right now. Nothing plot worthy happens. He's just running into people. He's hanging out with Jeremy Piven and. 
meeting yeah. old high school buddies. Yeah, he goes driving with Jeremy Piven. They smoke weed. Yeah, that's the drug usage. He tells him he's a professional killer. Nobody believes him. Everybody's like, yeah, cool, man. Cool. Cool beans. But now you're back. Now you're back. Um, Out of space. I just walked in finally here with that sad look upon your face. I could have changed the silly locks. I should have changed the... Yeah, I already screwed you up. need the key? For just one second, you'll be back to bother me. Oh, now go. Walk, Walk out the door. <laughs> just turn around <laughs> now. You're not welcome, welcome anymore. Weren't you the No, okay. <laughs> so he calls Joan, wants to know why Hank Azaria is there. And then he goes to the convenience store. But then that guy, the target, comes in to kill him. So there's this big shootout in the convenience store where the kid is at the video game and he has no idea what's happening. And then there's this big bomb and it blows up the convenience store. Yes, because of reasons. Because of reasons. That are not related to the plot at all. No. And then PAs are throwing garbage garbage at John Cusack. (laughs) That's like my dream job. To just chuck things at John Cusack. (laughs) Got him. (laughs) <laughs> I would have wanted to be the PA who chucked uh, tiles at Tom Hanks. Would you, would you kiss him first? Would yes. you kiss the things first and yeah. then throw it at him? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is for luck. <laughs> That's a way to get fired. Somebody would see you kissing items. They'd be like, nah, nah, dude, you're creepy. Get out. Yep. <laughs> I don't remember what happens next. I think I'm trying to get this is something he's talking. He's talking calls Debbie. He wants to arrange some sort of date. Remember, he's like looking at her or something. Yeah. He's like, let's meet later at this place. So they go on like a date, like a date, like a date. And she's like, where have you been for 10 years? And then he's like, let's go to the reunion together. I'm here. I'll actually show up. And she's just like, nah, I wasn't. Nah, I don't want to go to that. I thought that was at her house. No, this is at the restaurant. Oh. Then I he asked no her again memories. later. Again later is when she says yes. Okay. This is when she's like, no. Nah. And then that drunk, drunky, drunky oh, chick shows up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, at the restaurant, he runs into to Hank Azaria and company in the bathroom. And then he leaves, and then Dan Aykroyd comes out of the stall, and then we learn that Hank Azaria and the other guy is NSA, and they're waiting for Martin to do the job so that they can do their job. Can do their job. They got to witness him doing something illegal. They can't just shoot him. Although Dan Aykroyd's like, just kill him, kill him, just uh, murder him. I remember the bathroom scene. I don't know why I don't remember the restaurant scene. I guess because nothing happens really. Nothing really happens. It's. I mean, like. Stuff happens in this movie, just not a lot. Like, they didn't add the plot to match the length. I don't know. Or or they just cut everything down to bare bones and we're like, we're going to make things explode. Mm. Calls Joan for some info on who everybody is. Then he goes to visit Debbie. Okay, so he goes to Debbie's house, Debbie's parents' house. She's there because apparently her apartment burned down. And she agrees to go to the reunion with him as a date. As a date. As a date. Dan Aykroyd joins Martin for breakfast. Like Martin's having breakfast in a diner and Dan Aykroyd sits down. They kind of like hold guns secretly at each other. And Dan Aykroyd's like, this all wouldn't happen if you just joined the union. And she's like, I don't want to join your stupid union. I don't want to have any sort of relationship with you. I don't want this. Relationships. Blah. None. No union. None for me. No unions of any kind. No unions of any kind, but maybe a little bit with the Debbie. Maybe. Maybe a Debbie union. <laughs> maybe Debbie union. We reunion up, hey, hey, hey. That's like... <laughs> when they were at her house and she... He's like, is this the bed? This is the same bed. The magic bed. Where we once had our union. Our one-time sexual our adventure. Un- we could reunion on it. I wanted more reunion jokes. Yeah, why were there no reunion jokes? In our lives, we would have reunion jokes. Left and right. Yeah. How about we reunion right now? Unionize this bitch. (laughs) So, 
that breakfast day, that means tonight's the night of the reunion. They're going to reunion. So he's getting ready. He calls his therapist. Therapist tells him to say, I am breathing. I am breathing. I am taking it in and breathing it out. Are you breathing? <sighs> I am breathing. So he actually shows up, picks her up at her front door, brings roses, and she's just like, go talk to my dad. He's in the other room. He wants to know where you've been for 10 years. Because, you know, this was supposed to happen 10 years ago. This whole you picking me up. With, and you didn't and you do didn't, it. didn't, remember? Go talk to my dad. <laughs> and so he does. He does. He tells him I've been a hitman for 10 years. And doesn't believe him. And then downs a scotch. So then it's reunion time. Boop, 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 boop. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> These are reunion sounds. Well, yeah. Don't, isn't that where all the jocks, they like are empowered again from years gone by with their fading hairlines and their letterman jackets and their football and they go uh, uh." our football team was a disgrace (laughs) (laughs) i didn't pay attention to our football team so i have no idea we had a really good girls softball team That's, that's where we rocked it we the softball team my friends were on it they were really good. So he goes to the reunion with Debbie. They meet up with their old classmates. He has to hold a baby. He's, that's the whole, the best part of the entire movie is him staring at this baby. That's how I look at babies. He's just questioning, but also fascinated. I'm less fascinated. I'm more... He was fascinated with that baby. Yeah, I'm not fascinated. I'm just like... What are you going to do? What are you? What? It was like the first time he had ever seen a baby. I'm like, have you seen that promotional picture for the new Sherlock show? Mm-hmm. Where, where uh, Sherlock is staring questioningly at the baby. That's me. Like, <laughs> what are you and why are you taking all the attention away from me? I don't know. When I pick up a baby, I'm like, hi, how are you? <laughs> And it's like, <laughs> well, that's good. When when Sam and I have a child, it will, it'll be nice because someone will talk normal to it. While me and Sam are just like, oh, look at the little baby. I'm like, your parents are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the John Cusack looks like a baby. He looks like a baby. He looks at a baby. He looks at a baby. And the baby gurgles and makes smiles and probably pooped. Yeah, I mean, this whole time he's been saying. You know, people, remember, he's been like, what have you been up to? And people are like, oh, get married, have a baby. And he's just like, oh, and people are like, well, that's like a normal life. So it's sort of like, it doesn't really hit hard on this theme, but the theme of having a normal life or getting back to having some sort of normal life mm-hmm. is what he really wants with this woman. Because like, then he gives the baby to her and she holds it and he takes a picture of her and he's just really loving this moment. He loves the baby. He He's, wants a baby. He wants, he got, he got baby crazy. He wants to <laughs> impregnate Debbie. Debbie is not quite sure <laughs> <laughs> what the Cusack wants. I'm going to be like, where did you get this baby from? <laughs> He's just going to steal it. It was a really cute baby. It was a very cute baby. It acted well. It made, it made a poopy and it smiled. So then Martin and Debbie are connecting and they have this little smoochy getaway to go smooch. They make a union in the nurse's office. In the nurse's office. But first she slaps him. Oh no, that's the best part too. (laughs) She's like, wait a minute, I forgot something. Smack. She's like, okay, you continue. And he's like, okay, smoochy, smoochy, smooch. So after they're like smooching, he's like, she's like, okay, I'm going to go say goodbye to some people. And he's like, I got to go to my old locker and get something. So they split up. And the target shows up and follows him and starts shooting at him. And he's like, ah! And they kickbox. And then they kickbox fight. Because <laughs> John Cusack is a ninja. He is a ninja. And then he stabs him in the neck. He, with the pen that he with got from Jeremy Piven? No. Yeah. Not Jeremy Piven. One of the other guys. One of them. One of the three guys that we, he had a long conversation catching up with. Pen shank. Ugh. In the neck. In the neck. And Debbie sees that. He's got dead body on his hands, and she's just like, "Oh no!" and runs away. Yeah. And Jeremy Piven is like, "Where's our boy? Where's our boy?" <laughs> and so Jeremy Piven runs up there, and he's just like, 
You were telling the truth. Okay, I'll help you dispose of this body. The real romance, ladies and gentlemen. Jeremy Pippin. So and they, John yeah, they go and burn the body. And uh, Martin goes back to the hotel. He cancels his therapist for some reason. Yeah, that scene was weird. Debbie comes to see him. He kind of explains himself, like how he got to that. Yes. That's that that yeah, that's that part of the explaining was like, well, I left and then I joined the military and this is how I became an assassin. And she just like, still, it's not right what you're doing. I don't like it. Goodbye. You're like ki- a normal reaction. Yeah, you're killing people. He's like, eh, but I do it for money. It's not really me. So yeah, she leaves. With, so she leaves and then jo- we see Joan. She's about to torch the office. But Martin makes sure she has a lot of money. He hit her a brick. Yeah. Under the under the desk. Yeah. He's so kind. She was about to torch it. She was. Martin accepts that Detroit job that he's been holding off on. He still hasn't done it. He opens it up. And he sees that it's... Debbie's father. Debbie's daddy. Daddy Debbie. So he's like, oh crap. Because he now has to save the dad from Dan Aykroyd, pretty much. And there's a shoot fest. Yeah, he shows up. He explains he it's well. There's this whole big shootout at Debbie's house with Dan Aykroyd. Even the other guys show up and get shot. And then, like all this while, he's explaining a lot, like his feelings. Yes, he can only express his feelings through gunfire. Yeah, and he's like, you know, I'm in love with you. Kill, 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 kill. And then he kills Dan Aykroyd by shoving a TV on his head. That was amusing. So then when he gets upstairs to where they're hidden, he's like, will you marry me? Marry me. And she shuts the door on him. Yeah. And then the dad's like, you got my approval. You have my blessing. You, son, are a good egg. And then they drive off together. I mean, that's how it ends. I still don't know how they got to that point, though. Like, she was just like, yeah, no. No. And then they end up driving off. off together. Yep. Because he brainwashed her. No. He lobotomized her? No. He made her... He did the whole men in black erase your memory <laughs> thing? Possibly. <laughs> so how they shot this movie, according to the director, he says, basically, we shot three movies simultaneously. One that stuck to the script, one that was mildly understated, and one that went completely over the top in terms of improvisation and energy. It was usually the third version that got used which means there are alternate versions of nearly every scene out there somewhere. Somewhere. So. Out there, Barnaby. (laughs) It's a way for, I like when directors kind of do, okay, we got the take. Do something silly. Yeah. Or not just something silly. Do something more like with the instincts. Yes. Give me something else. Throw it out there. Do your thing. Yeah, because it oftentimes is pretty good. Sometimes. 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 We see. It's it's fun. Yeah. Do you have any other uh, final thoughts on Gross Point Blank? I am intrigued by the concept. Mm-hmm. I would like to see a different version of it done now. But have it be the woman as the assassin. Mm. Get some ScarJo up in here. <gasps> yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Have Black Widow go back to her high school <laughs> reunion. I love it. In Russia. Do you want to do a dramatic reading? Sure. So we're going to play a little game. Well, it's a, it's a dramatic reading. Yes. Where we read things. We read things. We read dramatically. them dramatically Go ahead. and live our dreams. I'm going to be John Cusack, Martin Q. Blank. Ashley's going to be Alan Arkin, Dr. Dr. Oatman. Dr. Oatman. Oatman. And here we go. Don't you think that maybe you're just upset because I told you what I do for a living and you got upset and you're letting it interfere with our dynamic? Whoa, Martin, you didn't tell me what you did for a living. Yes, I did. You didn't tell me what you did for a living for four sessions. Then you told me and I said, I don't want to work with you anymore. And yet you come back every week at the same time. That's a difficulty for me. On top of that, if you've committed a crime or you're thinking about committing a crime, I have to tell the authorities. I know the law, okay? But I don't want to be withholding. I'm very serious about this process. And I know where you live. And scene. Oh, yeah. 
That was good. Feeling was the good. Q sack. Feeling mm. the Q? Feeling the Q. In the sack? Oh. 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 <laughs> yup. Yeah, we do that now. <laughs> That's our thing. That's our thing. Okay. Are you ready to rate this film? Yes. I would rate this film three flip phones. <laughs> So that John Cusack can always have a flip phone. Yeah, he can hang up all angry, too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Snap. I'm going to rate it two telephone cords. Nice. We know what's up. We do. It's how we do. It's how we do. All right. Next week, oh, we're continuing on in our chronological order quest. I know it's been a while that we've been doing these uh, tangents, flashbacks. But now, seriously, we're still in 1997. We're watching As Good As It Gets. As good as it gets. I've never seen it. Neither have I. So we do watch movies we've never seen before. For you. For you. The people. The people. Speaking of being for the people, by the people, this this podcast is sponsored completely by our patrons over at patreon.com. If you would like to join up and support us... And uh, possibly get some free additional doggy pictures and possible audio clips, which I may be working on. Maybe some goodies. Maybe some goodies. Head on over. I'll make you cupcakes. Oh, head on over to patreon.com slash cutaways podcast. You can get to our episode on our website if you wish. It's thecutaways.com and we're also on iTunes and Stitcher and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. We're on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram as at Cutaways Podcast. You can leave us comments anywhere and everywhere and we greatly appreciate it. Uh, Let us know what you think and rate us five stars on iTunes so people can see that we exist. We live. Tell your friends about us. And uh, yeah, just let us know if you're enjoying it or not enjoying it. And we will. Or what we could do better. We'll talk to you. Yeah. Talk to us. We talk to you. It's just a communication circle of life. Yeah. Communication is key as we learn in romance. Yep. Be, be romantic with us is what I'm saying. Oh, I like it. Aww. That's a new slogan. (laughs) That's another t-shirt. Put it in the barrel. Put it in the barrel. Put it up. Um, so, uh, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week. 